0: used to sitting at a table on Wednesday nights and it's good to actually see faces and eyeballs and that's a good thing and so glad you're here those that are tuning in tonight glad to have you on as well and we're gonna take our Bibles tonight we're gonna go to the book of Ephesians Ephesians chapter number five we've been in Ephesians since last since August is how long it's been since we've been in the book of Ephesians and uh, the past couple weeks we took off on Wednesday nights from it and now we are back to it. So Ephesians chapter number 5, once you find that with me, we've only got one verse to read tonight. So you say one verse, short message, right? Yeah, right. It's going to be, this one could go on for a little bit of time. And so um, I also wanted to mention this Sunday, we'll be back out under the tent outside at 10 a.m. Last week, 10 worked great. We'll do that again this week. And uh, my sermon this Sunday morning is going to come from... I was started the book of Acts, and I was going to stick with the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts, but the Lord really is really pushing me towards the book of Nehemiah. And uh, they are rebuilding the wall. It was time to build, and that's where we're going to be starting on Sunday, the book of Nehemiah. And we'll see if we go through the whole book or if we just go through part of it. We'll see. And then on Sunday night, we'll be back to the book of Hosea and keep moving through the books of the Bible. And So that's good and um sunday was good wasn't it good to be back together and good to um i know it was outside and even tonight you know the chairs are spaced out just a little bit extra and all that but it's just good to be in here and uh, i like seeing the screens being back on life back in this place because the building means nothing if the people of god are not here hold your place in the book of ephesians i want you to go with me to the book of exodus for a minute and I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do this, and then we'll get to the message. We've got plenty of time. It's only, we can move quick there. Exodus chapter number 5. Exodus chapter number 5. You look today in our world, there is a battle brewing between governments and churches. That battle starting to brew just a little bit. And one of the things that you see, it's interesting, I read a newspaper article the other day, and it was from another city not too far away, and 17 churches in that city have band together. And what the article said was this, they said that we will not start holding services till the government says that we can. That's a scary thought, especially for Christians to say. And I want you to see when what happens. You've got to understand something. Look at Exodus chapter 5. Look at verse number 1. And afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that we may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Whether ye do, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their work get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest for their burdens. And we see later on that Pharaoh goes into tasking them and all of that. But do you see how God wanted his children to leave Egypt? And Pharaoh said, no. And God got his way. One of the things that we've got to remember, and something that is clear for Christians, and especially our young people need to learn this at a young age, that when it comes to the church, government doesn't order the church around. It's never been that way, and that's not how this country was set up. America was not founded with the government telling the church what to do. And I understand there's health concerns, there's safety things, all that comes into play. But last time I checked, our orders come from this book. That's where it comes from. And young people, make sure as you grow up, and one of the reasons why I'm dogmatic about it, if we, if we give up our freedoms now, what freedoms are our children going to have? And the scary thing to me is how many Christians and pastors are willing to give up their freedom so easily. That is not anyone's right, but God's. God's given it to us. And you know, some will say, "Well, Pastor, by you having a service tonight, you're breaking the law." We're not breaking the law. Government is breaking the law when they impose anything that goes above what the Constitution says they can do. So you've got to remember all of that. And so from the very beginning, and the thing you got to understand, government will never understand the church. Most people in this world won't understand. You can get on Facebook and see people go on for hours about how you can just stay at home. You don't need to go gather. The world won't understand the things of God. They won't. And even Pharaoh, who's the Lord that I should let you go do that? The Lord's the one we serve, the one we worship, the one who's important. And so, just keep that in mind, just a little thought there. But Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. If we go back over the past several weeks on Wednesday evenings, as we've looked at this passage of Scripture, Paul continues to build upon the foundation of the fact that he's been laying in this book that Christians ought to be different than this world. And that's what he's trying to get across to the church at Ephesus. Now it's weird for me, I've gotten used to just staring straight at a camera. And now that my eyes got to move all around the room, I got to retrain my eyes on what to do. Because it's, it's a little different for me, but it's a good difference. And so you think about this. We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, and he found us, the Lord, he saved us by his grace, and God has done a great work. And what he did that day and what took place is, what you've got to understand is he took us out of Adam and placed us in Christ. And the day that we got saved, the Spirit of God came to live inside of us, and he's there forever. We're sealed unto the day of redemption. So the moment of salvation The Spirit of God came to live inside of us. And praise God for that tonight. And so tonight I want to take a little bit of time and I want to talk about the importance in the Christian life of a Spirit-filled walk. Each and every one of us tonight should be desiring to please God and to have a Spirit-filled walk. There's a difference. Some people say, well, I'm saved, so the Spirit of God's in me. That is very true. The moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells a believer but there's a difference between being filled with the spirit and his indwelling being filled you got to understand one of two things takes place remember as we've studied this passage of scripture here that old man likes to rear his ugly head and the bible says to put off the old man and put on the new man and it's one of those things you can't have the old man working and the new man working at the same time it doesn't work out very well The Bible talks about, in Galatians chapter number 5, how you cannot walk in the Spirit and walk in the flesh at the same time. Because if you walk in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Jesus even said Himself that no man can serve two masters. And so, as a Christian, being a saved child of God, it comes down to this. Are you filled with the Spirit, or are you filled with yourself? That's the question. And what we need today, church, more than ever, what we need today in our world today more than anything is spirit-filled Christians who are walking after the Lord and who have a desire to please Him. And tonight I just want to take a little bit of time and preach on that thought, the spirit-filled walk. Father, I pray You bless our time tonight. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for being our God. And thank You for tonight. Thank You for the fact that we're in here tonight i pray you'd bless it and i pray that all that's said and done tonight in this place would bring you honor and glory thank you for those who are watching we love you we need you in jesus name i pray amen we look at this tonight we look at this verse and as we dive in the lord he saved us from our sins he transformed us into new creatures and he's placed us within his body the body of christ which is a blessing and then you got to understand something as we are here There are some things that we're supposed to do. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 and 20, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. And so you just think about that right there. We are ambassadors. We are the Lord's messengers here on earth. And we are supposed to be helping point others to the Lord and do, being, do that ministry of reconciliation and pointing people, hey, you need to be reconciled to God. We're supposed to be ambassadors. That works out well in our lives as we're filled with the Spirit of God. People see a difference in us. The Bible tells in Philippians 2, verse 14 through 16, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We see right there, the Bible says that you're blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a Crooked, perverse nation. That kind of describes our world today. We're supposed to be lights to that world around us of Christ. And Christian, the best way for us to be a light, the best way for us to be a good example to those around us is not by us carrying our Bibles outside everywhere we go, not by having your hair parted just right, having the perfect haircut, having a suit on, all of those things. What this world needs to see is Christians that are filled with the Spirit of God. And what you're going to see over the next several weeks as we dive deeper into this, that the Spirit of God working our life does so many things. You wanna worship God better? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You wanna be a better husband? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You wanna be a better wife? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You wanna be a better parent to your children? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You wanna be a better, as a child you wanna be good to your parents? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You wanna be good to your bosses and those that work under you back and forth? We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we need tonight. The only way we can accomplish the goal that God has for us of being blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of this world, letting our light shine before men so they can see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. The only way that's going to happen is as we are filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we need today. Beginning here and continuing through the end of Ephesians, we're going to see that Paul describes what the Spirit-filled life looks like. The teachings here are foundational truths that have the power to transform and change our lives if we will let them. Living the Spirit-filled life begins with being filled with the Spirit. You notice this verse, it's not really an option. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This is a command. This is a demand from God, from His church, from His people. So for a little bit of time tonight, I want to talk about the Spirit-filled walk. Number one, it demands capitulation. It's a big word. See, it basically means surrender. It means surrender. It demands surrender. Most of the message I'm going to preach will revolve around that verb phrase be filled. One of the interesting components of Greek and I am not a Greek scholar and praise God I'm not and in Bible college I had to take Greek class. I had to take an extra semester of it because I loved it so much. I wanted to take a no I failed one semester so I had to take another semester of it. And so I and nowadays who needs your Greek lexicon for anything? You have Bible programs on your computer that show you everything you need to know. You don't need... Esword shows me all the Greek words. It's all right there. It's like, why did I suffer? And learning Greek is like trying to learn a different language. It's crazy how tough it is. And in Greek, there are three. And man, that la- I didn't even get much of a laugh right there. If you're going to be back in the room with me, okay, I know that I see sometimes I'll leave the comments up and I'll see that you'll hit the thumbs up or I might get an amen online how about an amen sitting in church tonight that would be all right and how about if I say something funny you laugh a little bit let me know you're back in the room with me okay and uh everything I say is funny or all my jokes are but anyways we'll get into the message and in Greek there are three basic voices in which verbs are written the first one is the active voice let me give you an example of that the subject act so the boy hit the ball. That's the active voice of uh, Greek, the verbs. There's a passive voice. And the passive voice is the subject is acted upon. The boy was hit by the ball. That's passive voice. Do you get that there? And some of you are like, oh, school. I don't want to even think about school. And, uh, but then there's a third type, and that is the third one is a middle voice. That's where the subject acts upon himself. That would be like this, the boy hit himself with the ball. That would be the middle voice. And so we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. But we know that we cannot make that happen within ourselves. We cannot just decide, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit and make it happen. Yet the Lord commands us to be filled with the Spirit. So this verse, to be filled with the Spirit, is in the middle voice. And what it suggests is that God will fill us as we yield to him. As we yield our flesh and as we yield our will, God will fill us up. That's what the middle voice is talking about right here. So the same voice is used in the first phrase of this verse, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Because a person, when they drink, and some of you, I've heard stories about you, so you're able to help me out. Never, I have never tried alcohol before. Closest thing I've gotten to it is Nyquil, and yeah, that's about as close as I've gotten to it. And, oh, actually, sorry, I did have that ice cream a long time ago—that um, tequila ice cream that someone gave me—and uh, till this diet, I was having a pint of it every week. But anyways, ah uh, oh, man, rough crowd tonight. Those of you online, I know you're the ones who laugh at my jokes, so thank you for carrying on there, and hopefully you've laughed, and hopefully there's some amens online, too. That would be nice, because this crowd here is not doing anything for me tonight. Maybe these ones should have stayed home, and you all should have came. I don't know, but anyways, it's still, i got to get used to not looking at that thing. It's just, it's, i got to get used to it. It's so You preach one way for so long, and then you start out do preaching a different way, and you think to yourself, I'm never going to get used to doing this, and then You get used to it. And now you try to go back to how you were doing it, and my mind's like going 50 million different ways right now, and I'm trying to zone in. But you think about it. A person must surrender to the action of picking up the bottle, picking up the glass, and taking the first drink. If the person continues to drink the alcohol, they'll become drunk because they've yielded themselves to the alcohol. If we're going to fulfill the command that God has for us here to being filled with the Spirit, the first step is for us to surrender ourselves to the Lord in this area. We must open ourselves to Him so the Spirit can fill us with His power. Number two tonight, this demands compliance. This demands compliance. This verb phrase not only is it the middle voice, but it's in the imperative mood. And I know you didn't come tonight to get a Greek lesson on what the verbs stand for and all those different things. But it will help you as we go through. An imperative means it's a command. And so we see here the Bible says, to be filled, you need to be filled with the Spirit. This is not an option for us. Either we'll be filled with the Spirit or we're not doing what God wants us to in our lives. That's what it comes down to. And the Bible tells us, the Bible's filled with all sorts of commands. And there are things that we're told not to do. And then at other places in the Bible, there's things we're told to do. And the command here to be filled with the Spirit is the same degree of any other command. God expects His children to be filled with the Spirit of God. Just like He expects us to refrain from cursing or stealing, or as He wants us to read His Word and pray, He wants us to be filled with His Spirit. And when the Lord gives us a command, do you know what happens, church? God expects His people to do it. That's how we prove we love Him, right? If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments, the Bible tells us. So whatever the Lord tells us to do in this matter, we should be doing it. And so we see that this demands not only surrender, but demands compliance. Number three. Number three. It demands control. The image Paul uses here about being filled with the Spirit is an interesting one. He compares a drunk man to someone being filled with the Spirit. Those are the two that he compares. And you look at that and you think, why would you compare a drunk man and someone being filled with the Spirit? What compared? How could you put those together? But this is what happens. The contrast that's there comes because the person who's under the control of alcohol, that alcohol controls them there are people out there that say no i can drink i can hold my tequila or whatever it is but why is it you shouldn't drive when you're drinking because you're it desensitizes you you're under it and that's and it's so important you know we look and we talk about all these deaths from this virus Man, if we really want to, if we really say we're concerned about death, we need to get rid of all the alcohol everywhere. We really do. That would solve a lot of problems. And instead, drinking is up now more than ever. But if we really care about life, get rid of the alcohol. Yeah, but then states couldn't get the sales tax off of it either. But, anyways, that's. We've, just think about it. It's sad. And alcohol, it controls you. You are, you are not the person you could be without it. And I remember talking to someone one time, and they were having a bad marriage. Their marriage wasn't going very good. And I said, well, what is the big problem in your marriage? And this is what the guy said. Every time I get drunk, we, it always ends in a fight. Every time I get drunk, there's always a fight. How do you fix that? I am not the smartest guy around, but that was pretty easy to figure out. If you fight mostly when you're drunk, don't get drunk. Doesn't that solve it? That solves it to me. I, I'm under control. Well, I do say things I sh- No, you're not under control. And, that's, and you look at when a person comes under the power of alcohol, they yield that, that in their lives. They choose to drink, and as they drink that alcohol, and they, what happens is you give it an inch, it takes a mile. It's like sin in our lives. You give sin a little space in your life, and it will take way more. It costs you far more than you want to pay, as that song says. But you think about it, just as a person lets the alcohol, you say, well, how do they they pick up the bottle and drink? We are supposed to let the Holy Spirit of God have control of our lives. You see, a person who yields to alcohol soon finds out that the alcohol will take over. It consumes what they do. The alcohol controls the way they speak, the way they walk, the way they talk, and you're under that control. And the Bible uses the word here, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. You see the word excess. This means to be a prodigal, to, be deba- um, to live wickedly is what it means. It's a lack of restraint, a lack of refraining from. And so as we look at that there, and you could look at, and we could go deeper into alcohol, but I don't think we got a big group of you to into alcohol tonight. If you do, maybe I'll preach longer there. You know what? Let's just go a little deeper into it. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 23. You know, I just said a second ago that right now as all this has happened around us that more alcohol sales are really high. So why wouldn't I take a couple minutes and talk to you about the dangers of alcohol? I think that's smart to do. We go to Proverbs chapter 23, and since you're there, go back to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20. Look at verse number one. It says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So, what does that mean right there? That means only fools drink. Isn't that what's the opposite of being wise? Foolish, right? So, you are foolish to drink. So, it's not bud wiser, it's bud dumber, right? Biblically speaking, Yeah, go to chapter 23 of Proverbs. Look what it says. And think of the wisdom in this. Look at Proverbs 23. And look down at verse number 29. Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babblings? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Who has all these issues? Look at what it says. They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. Yet shall I awake I will seek it yet again. And we look at, do you see the bite that's, that alcohol has? It's, oh, everybody does it. It's what all the cool people do. You see, do you, when you look at alcohol commercials and things, sometimes they are the funniest commercials that are on TV, if we're being honest, okay? I'm a sports guy, and a lot of times they're the funniest. But you don't see alcohol commercials showing, showing someone crashing their car and killing two other people haven't ever seen that. And alcohol, you look at it in the Bible as it talks about here, you got to be careful. And young people in the room, stay away from it. Just stay away from it. There's no need. Well, I just wonder what it tastes like. Stay away from it. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Too many homes have been hurt from alcohol. Too many lives have been ruined. Too much abuse has taken place. Too many have died in their car car wrecks. Alcohol is a poison. And the people of God should stay clear of it. And it saddens me even today that there are a group of Christians, and especially even in our, whatever our, I don't even know what my circle is. It's a weird circle. But those, uh, those that I'm acquainted with, maybe that's a good way of wording it, and so many of them are changing their stance and drinking's okay. Since when? The Bible's never changed. The Bible's still right just as what it says. And stay away from it. Help yourself out in that area. And so, that was a little extra tonight. Now we'll go back to Ephesians chapter number 5 here. And just, and we've got to understand something. Just as someone who is drinking... The Bible says be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. You don't want to go down that road and be living that way. The wickedness, that life that's associated with it. The access, as we read just a minute ago there, to, wi- to live wickedly. Do you realize the opposite takes place when you're filled with the Spirit of God? You think about it, the Holy Spirit will produce things in your life that are not as wickedness. They are godly things things you need in your life. You say, well, what are you talking about? Go with me to Galatians chapter number 5. Well, it says, This I say, verse 16, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before as I have told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But look, when you are filled with the Spirit, look at what's going to be produced in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions, with affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. And you see what happens when you live under control of the Spirit. There are so many things, so many blessings and things that are added to your life. See, as we let the Spirit have control, He's able to do things in us that we never thought we could ever do. You know, I've given the example recently, and I'm not trying to toot a horn or do anything like that. But at the beginning of the year, I decided I was going to lose weight this year. And I've told myself in the past, I've made little things, I'm going to lose weight. I remember it was like five or six years ago, I decided I was going to stop drinking Dr. Pepper. So I stopped for one month from January to February. And then February 1st, I think I drank a 24-pack in one day. No, I don't know. I don't think it was quite that bad. But this is what happens. And in all honesty, and to this point, the difference, it has not been very hard to lose weight. And that's crazy for me to say. But the difference was this time, what is one of the, this is one of the things that really convicted me. What's, the fruit of this, what's one of the fruits of the Spirit right there? Temperance, self control. And I'm a pastor. I'm, go- I'm supposed to be godly, right? Well, then if I go on a diet, then I should have self control if I'm letting the Spirit of God work. But chips look so good sometimes. Barbecue chips are good. And it doesn't matter if they're Pringles, if they're Lay's, or if you go with the Doritos, they're all good. You know, fries and, you know, carne asada fries with a bunch of meat on there and cheese and a little guacamole there, some, uh, that's good stuff. But that doesn't help you lose weight at all. doesn't help at all. Or, you know, the late night snacking and uh, things like that. But this is the thing. When you let the Spirit of God lead you and you yield, because this is what happens. I'll give you an example. Just the other day. I had a strong desire for ice cream. Can that's I don't know if that can still see me. I'll get back up here, sorry. Um, I had a strong desire for ice cream. And ice cream is just so good, you know. My ice cream is my weakness. Probably like donuts is one of Jay's weaknesses. Donuts to me are okay. I can do with or without, but ice cream, I could just I could probably live on ice cream. There's so many different flavors. You could just it would be great. But my goal is that by my birthday which is another month away, I'm going to be down 100 pounds. That's my goal. And I've got 18 pounds to go to be 100 pounds down. And ice cream doesn't help you reach that goal, although ice cream is very good. The flesh tells Brian, oh, doesn't that ice cream just sound good? Doesn't that shake? A shake just sounds so good. Mm." Cookies and cream, vanilla. Man, summer's coming, Chick-fil-A, their peach shake. It doesn't get much better than that peach shake at Chick-fil-A. And I was sitting there talking with myself thinking about this. And man, I could have this, I could have that. And then, oh yeah, I can't listen to the flesh. I got to keep doing what I've been doing. And that might sound like a crazy example for you, but it's, been, it's gotten real real in my life. Because if I listen to Brian, I'm just going to eat some junk food or drink a big Dr. Pepper. But if I let the Spirit of God work, it makes it so much easier. And people have asked me, how, have you lost, how hard has it been? It hasn't been super hard. Why? Because I'm not yielding to the flesh. I'm yielding myself and letting the Lord work. And that's been a good lesson for me. Now, it could all change tomorrow, and I could gain all the weight back, and who knows. But as of now, it's done good in my life, and the Lord's been working, and that's just an example of that there. but we think about the fruits of the Spirit, how important it is in our lives, and what we'll see over the next several weeks is as you continue through this passage of Scripture, you'll see how so many things could be so different in our lives if we just yield ourselves to God and let the Spirit of God fill us. You could look right there the very next verse. It says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, semicolon. Which means the next verse continues, right? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, semicolon. Giving thanks always for all things unto the Lord and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, semicolon. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, period. Which means verse 18 through verse number 21 is one. Thought together. So think about this. You want your worship to God to be right? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You wonder why our worship a lot of times is self-motivated. You know why it's self-motivated? Because we're not filled with the Spirit of God. And our worship could be so much better. Our worship life could be so much better if we let the Spirit of God work in us and fill us our private worship would be better. Our public worship would be better. Our married lives would be so much better. The Spirit of God will make you a better spouse. You see, before it ever gets into wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And f- before it says husbands to love your wife as Christ loved the church, he says you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's where it all begins. You want to be a good husband? Guys, be filled with the Spirit of God. You want to be a good parent? Be filled with the Spirit of God. And it carries on in our married life, our family life, our work life. It carries on into the spiritual warfare that we face and our prayer life. All of those things. The rest of the book, this verse kind of sets everything off. Christian, be not drunk with wine, where in excess, but be filled with with the spirit when we talk about this it's a matter of control when the spirit of god is in control of our lives he will reproduce christ within us it's what the bible talks about he's trying to conform us to the image of his son so the question tonight really is this inside of us who has control who's running the show in your life and many christians tonight and and this is the thing And one minute you might be yielding to God and letting him have control. And then the next minute you might be taking that back and you're taking the reins and you're in control. That's what happens. It's not just a one-time decision that changes your life forever. It's a constant battle. It's a constant thing that takes place. But we need to give control and let the Spirit of God lead us. The Spirit of God just doesn't want a place in our lives tonight. He wants the preeminence in our lives. He wants to have control in our lives. When we yield to Him, He fills us and He uses us. You think about Paul, what Paul said. He said in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And then he says, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see that there? When we do not yield control, what do you think about this, when we don't yield control to him, that's when we grieve him. Remember as we talked about in chapter number four, to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God? We grieve him. Look, you're right there, you've got your Bibles open there. We looked at all these things about putting on the new man. We're supposed to put away lying in chapter 4, verse 25. We're supposed to be angry and sin not. We're supposed to let him that steal, stole still no more. We're supposed to put away corrupt communication. And we're not supposed to grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't let him have control in our lives. And that's what we need and it's so important. And the truth is, we need him. We've got to yield control so that He can work. And when we let the Spirit of God work, He will produce fruit in our lives. And every Christian should be bearing fruit. And what does the Bible say? Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So fruit bearing is important. Let me ask you tonight, who controls your life? Is it you or do you let the Spirit lead you? The word filled here, it means to be filled to the top, lacking nothing. Nothing short of complete. And now with his with diet and things, I drink a lot more water than what I used to. And I, the water, and I'm probably going to mess up with, I think is Aquafina. has the blue lid on it. They fill it to the very top. Every time I open the bottle, it always, water falls out because it's, they fill it to the brim. There's no room left. But you buy the cheap Stater Brothers brand and there's a half inch gone from the top they don't get near the top then they give you the it's hard to and the bible talks about here being filled with the spirit i think of that aquafina bottle it's so full it just drips all over when you go to open it and when that takes place and happens and we see all of that and there went all of our screens what do you do back there joe taking a nap kicking the cord back there got to get you back and is everything good on you right there Johnny's got his thing going just fine, so that's a good thing. And, uh, but when it comes down to it, we want to be like that Aquafina bottle and just be, have it flowing out over full. Not like the Stater Brothers brand that has some gone from it from the beginning. We're supposed to be filled, not partially, completely. And then we see lastly tonight, number four. You can write this one down. Being filled with the Spirit, it demands consistency. It demands consistency. That verb be filled not only is in the imperative mood in the middle voice, but it's present tense. It speaks of an ongoing action. These verses could be read this way. You being completely filled with the Spirit. The command is for us to be filled with the Spirit every moment of every day. It is possible to be filled with the Spirit Now, think about this. You can go from one minute in your life being filled with the Spirit to one minute not being filled with the Spirit. You want me to give you a great example of that? Think about um, Peter. Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hath hath not revealed it to you. But basically what Jesus was saying, my Spirit's revealed it to you. And then a few verses later, the Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter. One minute filled with the Spirit. Next minute... He's full of His flesh. And that's how it works. Wouldn't it just be awesome if all the time we were just filled with the Spirit, and we work hard at being filled, and then we're always filled? But that's not how it works. How we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Tonight, church, if we could get a hold of the truth of being filled with the Spirit of God, we could change our lives completely. We could be the light that God has called us to be to this world around us. We could do all those things. See, being filled with the Holy Spirit would transform every area of our life. It would transform our homes. If every member of our homes were filled with the Spirit of God, we would love one another, we would submit, we would obey when we need to obey, and we would be seeking the Lord's will. We need the power of the Spirit in our homes. It would transform our marriages If both spouses were filled with the Spirit, you could respect one another, submit to one another, putting the other ahead of self, and that all comes as you're filled with the Spirit. Imagine what could happen in our churches if the people of God would be filled with the Spirit. You know, all this time of not being here, it's the first Wednesday in ten weeks, first Wednesday in ten weeks being in this place. And I guess the McKees is their second because the first Wednesday night they snuck in to be a part when no one else was. So they only missed eight, not nine, like everybody else. But we should have a desire to please God and to be filled with his spirit. This world needs to see it. You know, that's what we need today. That's what the world needs. Christians filled with the Spirit of God. That's what our church needs. And, you know, you look at it. We get so fancy in everything that we do. We have screens that don't work right now. We have a fancy camera for live stream and videos and all those things. And sometimes with church, all those things just get you carried away. But do you know what the last eight, nine, ten weeks has taught us? You know what's important? Just worshiping Him. That's what's important. What's important is to hear the Word of God preached and to live for Him. And what a great lesson that is for us. And thank God for the day we get to have nurseries again. And, uh, you know, transform our churches. It would transform our world. You know, it's one thing Matthew did really good outside, but you bring him inside the building. It's a different world. And for some reason, my kids don't know how to whisper. I don't know where they got that from, why they're loud. I think they got it from their mother. I don't know... I don't know if I've ever been accused of being loud in my life, but um, you look at even today, you hear people about churches wanting to get to open up and all those things. One of the big arguments that people make is this. They just want your money. They just want your money again. And what we've got to do as the church we need to show this world what they're missing. And that will only come as we yield ourselves to God and as we are filled with the Spirit of God. Why, does the, why doesn't the world want what we have? Why are they searching for other things not turning to the Lord? I believe the big problem is the way us Christians are. If we would change if we would yield to God and let Him lead us. We could do so much better and He deserves so much better. As we close tonight, are you filled with the Spirit? Who's controlling you tonight? Let's try and finish the rest of this week and the new week as it comes upon us and let's do our our best to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's what we need. Father, thank you for the time we've had in your Word tonight. Thank you for your love.